and we're back, Stripe Show podcast, on a, what day is it? Wednesday already. Here we are. Wednesday, midweek. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for uh, making us part of your day. Fun one today. This is one um, that I've been meaning to put together, waiting for the right time. And uh, I figure now is the time uh, to bring on one of the uh, top teachers in the game that's been helping a guy at the age of 52. His name is Padraig Harrington. Hit the ball longer and really be quite dominant on PGA Tour champions. This can be a fun one. Michael Jacobs joins me from Long Island. Thank you, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Travis. Good to talk to you today. It's uh, winter. I tell you. I'm looking outside. I'm in Ponte Vedra, all right, in Florida. We haven't seen the sun in three days. That's very unusual here in Florida. Nice. Um, Now, New York, that's not as unusual this time of year, mid-November, kind of shutting it down a little bit. Yeah, it's getting uh, a little cold. Getting a little cold. (laughs) (laughs) But you get out, right? You guys, I know you're good friends with Brian Manzella. You guys are going to Korea, putting a school together. What's on the slate for you this winter? Oh, we have that, the usual trip to the PGA show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Nesbitt and I, who's someone who works with me, we're publishing two papers. So I think this winter is going to fly by pretty quick. I highly recommend you go on and you uh, Google Michael Jacobs. You look at his uh, his videos, some that he's done with Dr. Nesbitt, as you talked about. Uh, you guys are deep into um, the science world. I've learned a lot from you. You probably don't know that, but I've watched your videos and the stuff that you put out there is uh, is fantastic. Today, we can't get into all that right now because if we, no. get, if we get into those weeds, <laughs> then we'll be here for probably two days and we're going to lose the audience. So we've got to okay. go specific. Gotcha. And uh, we got to go to this uh, man by the name of Padraig Harrington. He started working with, you've done a good job with him. Take me back to how that started and, and, and why. Sure. So it was in 2020, I guess the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Padraig bought a couple of 3D motion capture devices. Uh, I know one was KVS for sure. He was trying to figure out how to sustain his speed. I think what happened to him was he had tried to increase, keep his speed up as he he approached uh, the Champions Tour turning 50. And he was using a lot of devices and everything to try to measure his speed. He was looking for like some real feedback on if I do this, am I faster? Am I not? Why am I? Why is one ball speed 159 miles an hour and the next one 182? It could it could have been that large of a gap. Wow. So they were helping him analyze his swings with the 3D equipment, and then I guess one of them suggested that they would that he should try to give me a call to see if I could help him analyze a little deeper because he wanted to know how much force he puts on the club. So then they arranged, I guess, whoever was coaching him at the time, they arranged for me to speak to his coach. And then it turned out the coach wasn't available, and it was just Padraig and I. And we did a two-hour Zoom call. And then I talked to him a little about some of the – they sent me some swings. I gave him a couple little things. He went out and tried them. And then I uh, decided he would make a trip out next time he was in the U.S. And he came here and, you know, the story goes as follows. But what we were able to do with him was he's not – he had that speed within him. And, and most people have it within him. We just figured out a way to draw it out of him consistently mm-hmm. is ultimately what we did. Well, you did. I mean, let's let's share some stats here. 
this is sure. pretty pretty awesome stuff when you really think about it. And and when I was researching for this show and I was looking at these stats, and I've known like instinctively that Padraig is longer. Like I know that I've, I'm watching him. There was a video he posted, I think a couple weeks ago, where he's he's standing on the tee and the and it's 315 yards uh, to the green, and he's waiting until the green clears. Mm-hmm. And and so on the PGA Tour, that's kind of probably a normal process. On PGA Tour champions, that's not a normal routine. And so I'm like, wow, you know, and then he hits it and he's like, yeah, that's, I think he kind of rolled up to the front of the green. And you think back to Bryson and, and the impact that he had on the game just by getting longer and it worked, right? I mean, Bryson wins the U.S. Open, dominates right up in your neck of the woods. And so here's Podrick, 52 years of age. He's played 34 events on PGA Tour Champions. He's got six wins, seven runner-ups, 23 top 10 finishes. Think about that, 23 top 10s and 34 events. Um, his average length, as I see it, Michael, is 302 yards on PGA Tour Champions. And you go back to when he's winning the Open Championships, 2007, 2008. Now, I know, I know equipment's a little different. I get it. But 293 yards. And so here's a guy that is probably moving as well as he's ever moved and hitting it as long as he's ever hit it at the age of 52 years of age. And that's a direct correlation, I would say, to the success that he's having on the PGA Tour. So it was in him. You just had to help him get it out. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it, it was. It, he was surprised. So what's even more impressive, the Champions Tour record is, mm-hmm. is great, but you know, he played a lot of regular events. He still, he made the cut in every major he played in this year on the regular tour. Mm-hmm. And he was right up there at the U.S. Open and the PGA. Mm-hmm. So I, I know him well, and his goal is to win on the regular tour again. It's it's not to run up as many wins as possible on the Champions Tour. It's to win on the regular tour. And that's what we talk about all the time. So when I pull up this swing, all right, here we go. Face on. And I had to slow it down. That looks like so we could see it was British Open this year. Yeah, I think it was. Yep. Senior British Open. So for our audience, in layman's terms, uh, what what are we looking at here that that you're seeing? I, I see this little fun thing with the left foot right, right right there, kind of a little, almost like a little paddle there with the foot where he kind of lifts, he kind of hits it and then kind of lifts it up. Share with my audience maybe two or three things here that um, stand out sure. for you that have helped lead to some of this power. Sure. So this swing is a lot different than the 220 version, 2020 version, just so you know. <laughs> uh, there was quite a and, – and I I approach it this way. I approach it as I just give them suggestions. Mm-hmm. I don't say, hey, I think you need to do this or you need to do that. I give them a list of options. Uh, I have the benefit of using some um, – some analytics that are not publicly known. So one of the things that I use is, is we're able to track how much motion there is in a particular part of the body. So for example, one of the big areas for Patrick is I really track how much motion is in the lower legs, upper legs. And then we, we delineate four parts of his back. We delineate two different parts to separate his arms and then we have each individual hand, head, and neck. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking is we're looking at how motion moves through those parts of the body and out to the club. And when you look at this swing here, and if you take 
of that left foot motion aside, and you take Padraig, let's say, to the top of his backswing, right? And you look at that position right there, uh, he has a lot less motion in his left thigh than he used to. If you go back to older videos, you'll notice that um, there's a lot. He would actually trigger his swing with his left leg. And you'll also notice that if you bring him halfway down, let's say. Let me just uh, hold on one sec. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. the video. No, yeah. thereabouts. Okay, so thereabouts. So thereabouts. if you look at this spot, in, in Patrick's case, his left shoulder, you can see, if you just drew lines down, his left shoulder is basically just forward of center of the middle of his pelvis. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but if you go back in time, it's it's over the right side of the pelvis, over the right leg at that point. So he has always been somebody whose lower body moved well forward of his upper body. And what that led to as time went on was it led to him to add a lot of speed at his arms. So when we first analyzed him, he would actually have his upper body so far back and drive his arms so hard that motion from his arms came back into his chest and pulled him into his finish. Interesting. So when we had the conversation at the time, he was trying to, he felt like he was getting ahead of it. And I'm saying to myself, mm-hmm. how in the world can you be getting ahead of it? It's because he felt his legs were so far forward of his upper body. He always felt like he was ahead of it. So he had a tremendous amount of speed in his arms and hands, which he still does. It's just none of that was being transferred out to the club. It was coming back into him. Mm. So we waste about a good portion of our motion in golf and just moving ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's like what, uh, listening to this or watching and they're disappointed with their club head speed, um, they, they're probably there. You have plenty of motion for more speed. It's just probably going elsewhere somewhere in your body. So to give you an example, in Patrick's case, when he is at his best, his hand speed is around 22 miles per hour, and it reaches its peak speed about this portion of the downswing. So if you maybe want to take him to halfway down again, a little further, I would say just a, maybe right around there, maybe a touch earlier, but okay. in that spot, his hands are going twenty about 22 to 24 miles per hour. And when he's at his best, from there to impact, they slow down four to six miles per hour. And that's and because of the sequence, the improved sequence that you're, you described before. Because of the improved motion. Right. Because of the fact also that he's allowing the club to swing out more earlier. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to delay it. And ultimately, um, I see a lot of people when they're working on their games and stuff, they're working on drills to decelerate themselves. Like they'll mm-hmm. work on trying to decelerate, decelerate their pelvis or try to slow their hands down intentionally. But what actually slows the hands down is the outward movement of the club. Mm. So when the club moves out, it, it puts a interaction with your hands that slows them down. So it's something you want to have happen. But in Patrick's case, it's the fact that if you looked at both of his armpits, I know it sounds silly, but if you looked at his armpits, and you looked at his knees, mm-hmm. his armpits are much more over his knees there than they used to be. So that allows him to transfer more out to the club. Let so, me ask you this. 
real sure. quick. So I'm going to go back to when I got into the teaching business 25 years ago. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. And I, I, Jesus, you know, what I was teaching then, right? And God, what I was teaching maybe five years ago versus, you know, you just kind of evolve, right? As you go, you're always evolving. And, but I go back to 25 years ago and I just, in my mind, I hear bump, pelvis bumps left, right shoulder goes down, arms go down, right? And, and I, and I sense early side bend and transition. And as that is Padraig and really kind of some of that era, that oh, was absolutely. something, that was something absolutely. that you would see a lot, right? I remember him telling me that he, he spent 15 years trying to get side bend in his pelvis, more yeah. side bend in his pelvis. So when he Early. looked, mm-hmm. yeah, when he looked at this image, the fact that his hips were much more level there was something he would try to avoid. And then the way I had to um, explain it to him is at the point he's at here, now he can right side bend the pelvis at the ball mm-hmm. as opposed to right side bending the pelvis away from the target, which is where most people try to do it. So that pelvis, let's just say the belt buckle, and that sternum, let's just say the top button, are more kind of in line, more seven so. Seven inches. In- his center of mass of his entire body is seven inches further forward than it was in 2020 when he arrived. Wow. Now, he was coming off two years of trying to do um, a downswing where he stayed on his back leg and spun as hard as he could. So he mm-hmm. had been trying to do some other things. So I think that pushed him back more. But, yeah, to him, and there I have videos where he's more more forward and more open with his shoulders at this point, which is the desired goal. Mm-hmm. But that's indoors. Going outside, his swing changes a lot. Here's one. You know, Padre's not afraid to try things. I saw this video. Look at this. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, Padre's one of my favorite characters. I've never met him. And he's so, oh, my old. goodness, he's got he's done some fun things. So for my audience that uh, is uh, just listening, there's a video of him playing in a tournament. This is a tournament round, folks. And he literally is going to happy Gilmore. Walks up to it and hits it. I mean, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. Now you look at here. Here's the other view. All right. Um, and so I watch this now. All right. And, and so I'm hearing all, I'm hearing some of the things that you're telling me here on the downswing. Uh huh. Anything in the backswing? Is there, am, when I'm watching Podrick, is there more of a load per se into the trail foot, more of a change of knee flex, perhaps turning in the lower body in the backswing that would kind of help lengthen the backswing out? Or is the work primarily what you described on the downswing? No, there's been a lot of work on the backswing. The big, okay. the big work has been in allowing the club to rotate on the backswing so that it rotates more of like into the traditional, he had been trying to rotate the club so that the face was twisted down and looking at Mm -hmm. the ball um, in, in the backswing to almost like to where the right arm was way above the left arm like this. And then he put that in conjunction with what you said, where 
he would, um, if you just go to the top there. Okay. Yep. If you look right there, if, if you, um, you could leave it there, but okay. if you go back and you just watch that clip over, you'll notice that he went right into his right heel there. Mm-hmm. So he left the ball, the ball at a foot to the ankle and then fell into the heel there. And, mm-hmm. and when he does that, he loses his initial push on the way down. So we do want to push with the ball of our foot early on in the backswing to push our right hip back. So you would take the ball of your right foot and push it forward to help your right hip come mm-hmm. back. And then at right. the end of the backswing, you want to settle into that right heel so you could push. In his mm-hmm. case, when he goes to settle into that right heel, he snaps his knee straight and then compromises the, right, the initial push of the right foot and gets stuck. So a lot of times you'll see him get stuck in that right foot, not in this video here. But that's interesting. So so there's a there's a sense in in the backswing and the way that all of that is kind of let's say accumulating, coming together, which then allows him to do the downswing piece better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because especially in his case, uh, at the speed that he moves and how hard he swings at it. Um, he goes all out. So yeah. the initial push on the downswing might be one of the last things I have left to change, you know, mm. in, the, in, the, in the scope of things. So you guys feel pretty good about where it's at right now. Let's, let's spin well, this. I don't think we ever feel good about anything. Yeah, like right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's always a work in progress, right? right. Um, let's spin this towards the audience for a second. Okay. And, you know, we're all getting older and we're not moving as well for different mm-hmm. reasons. Um, all of a sudden, your swing, an amateur swing, can start to get shorter and start to lose speed. And I've always made the statement, I've said many times, and sometimes people look at me funny, is I tend to probably lengthen more swings out than I shorten um, as as people get older and can teaching them how to continue to move properly and not fall victim of, let's call it the old man swing. Gotcha. Right. Where all of a sudden you're not turning in the backswing. All of a sudden your spine is staying kind of down in flexion and you're just kind of swinging your arms. And all of a sudden your body's moving you know, well to the right and back to the left. And and so like the perception to the brain of the way we should move and, and create speed almost becomes skewed. Right. It almost like it's not the correct picture. So. I find myself, and I just want you to react to this, I find myself, and you may disagree with this, is spending time with, with people as they come in here, if, if they need it, to teach them how to just stay lengthened out in the backswing. Sure. So I think what's interesting about golf, more than most other sports, if not any other sport, is what intuitively into how to create distance and speed is not how to do it <laughs> when it comes to golf. Like right. your intuitive sense on what to do obviously doesn't work because we would all be better golfers when we first went to the range. And I, I think for the everyday golfer, two things um, always, from what I see, mm-hmm. two things to always point out is, number one is when they go to twist their body, they spend more time twisting their arms and shoulder complex than they do the actual mid middle part of their body. So it might be more helpful 
Like if you go back in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, everything's about the core. Oh, the body's core. And if you if you went out on the golf course and you asked 30 golfers, what's the core of your body? Everybody's going to say, oh, right here, right around my stomach. There's a belt around my stomach. Transverse abdominis, they would say in like an anatomy clip. Well, no, that's just a band around. I think it's I think it's helpful for your listeners to picture the core of their body like an apple core, a straight up and down like the middle of an apple. So actually starts from under your feet and comes up through the top of your head. So when you're going to twist, picture your arms and shoulders are sitting on the apple. And if you just went like this and swiped around the apple, the actual apple's core wouldn't be twisting. So if you were going to twist like an apple core, and the core of your body was now a straight up and down core through the middle of your body, you would twist from feet to face. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think people obviously do that. They'll, they'll more move their arms around their body. And then obviously you notice that they, they end up with a very short backswing. And then the second part would be that a lot of them think that they should not, I mean, there's a lot of training aids out there and the most that people see on the golf channel or wherever they see them, they see training aids that are trying to get them to so-called hold lag and not let mm-hmm. the club swing out when really they should be putting all their attention into getting the club to swing out. So mm-hmm. the biggest part of club head speed is allowing it to go out to the club. And mm-hmm. if you're someone who's really has no sense of that and are just driving through the ball or trying to push towards the target line or something, you're going to completely destroy any chance of, uh, consistently striking and gaining speed. So it's counterintuitive. Yeah, it is. So there, here's, so here's two terms that seem to resonate with people that I use. One is, is up and the other is back, up and back. And the, and the idea of the up is a term. I, I just saw Bryson post a video and he was talking about how he, you know, he's turning and he feels like he's, you know, he's kind of almost getting taller. This, this elongation is the word that I use a lot where when you teach someone as they're turning and the right side of their pelvis gets a little higher, their spine maybe starts to extend a little bit more. And all of a sudden they feel like, wow, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm working up because for them, they, for so long, they feel like they've been staying down and, and some of them did go down. Right. And so, up is a key word. The other one is back and feeling like they're recruiting. And I always kind of give them the lawnmower exercise where it's like they're pulling the cord up and back behind them. They're not pulling the cord to the right, right. you know, away from them for a right-handed player. So this, this concept of up and back behind them, all of a sudden their body starts to move and get on more of the correct inclination and 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 they're like, wow, okay, yeah. And then you put the club in their hand, and 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 you show them at the top. They're like, damn, like that, that looks pretty good, you know. Like yeah, that's- I think I think what you just described there are the other two dimensions of a backswing that people don't think about. Mm-hmm. So the up and the back, so forward, backward, up and down. Most people just think of spin and spinning in place with some type of um, staying in their posture or spine angle type thing, mm-hmm. and 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 in reality. You might see somebody spin and the way they configure their body, if you were looking from down the line, let's say, it would look like their head stayed within some type of parameter of not going up or down much. But uh, they would be really, their, their body's being reconfigured in a way that's completely different than I think they expect. So, so we've, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. So I would, if, if, if you asked me to say how much, so if I bent my upper body forward at my chest and then at mm-hmm. the top of the backswing, how much bend should I have in my twe- chest? I would say if you were 30 degrees bent when you started, you should be minus five at the top. Wow. So there's actually the top of your spine is actually coming back and it's the twist and turn that gets your body to look like a golf position. Mm-hmm. So. That's a, that's a, a mind blow, right? For a lot of when you, when you explain that to them, that your upper back and your spine and these things are moving, they're changing. Yes. And that's the movement that we want. And we want to layer in to someone the right way. And all of a sudden now they're, they're moving properly. And I always say you're, you're, you're not giving in to the old man swing and pretty soon you're not moving. And then when you try to move the perception of that, as you were saying, is, is just well, all, all golf instruction that they hear and see is all leading to the, the older swing where mm-hmm. you're buried over the ball. You're trying to keep things still and you're trying not to change the dimensions of up and back. Right. Yeah. Let me, let me say a couple modern pieces to you. And, and I just, I just want you to react to them and give me your thoughts on it. All right. Sure. Um, one is how important is it? to shallow the shaft out in transition. Okay. Okay. You want so, me to get into that real quick? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Okay. So what you have to understand is if I took my phone, right. And I went like this. So I got my phone facing you. Um, and I'm holding each side of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people are watching or listening. Hopefully they're, I don't know if you want to explain this, but if I go like this and I set my wrists up and down, my phone is rotating like that. So it's rotating so that this still faces this way and this still faces that way. Mm-hmm. Now, as I hold it out in front of you and now I shake it side to side like this. Okay. So now you see the face this way. So now it's like if it was an airplane, I'm shaking the wings side to side and the other way I was shaking the nose like this. Right. So those are the actions of the golfer. So up at the top of the swing, if I shake it side to side, and do so-called shallowing like people try to do. I just shook it side to side. So I did that essentially. I'm, I'm actually twisting the club side to side. It's not doing any pitching up and down. So it's a side to side twist. So what I see people doing is they're actually rotating the club and not changing the pitch of it. They're just doing side to side. Changing the pitch of it would be more in this direction and that direction. So in 2D, so when, when you're watching a swing on TV, the actual kinetic of the twist is a side to side push on the club. So, so what, so what has to happen with the center of mass of, of the club, right? Cause that's the kind of the buzz term, right? Of the center of mass of the club. Sure. What has yeah. to happen there for, for a player? Cause we know amateurs that can get a little skew. So kind of talk us through that and what's important there. Look at calamity Jane. Okay. Ooh, look at that so, thing. Wow, that's a beaut. So if I took a club and I held it right here, mm-hmm. right, at its balance point, and I pushed it, it would just go straight up and down like this. Okay. So right now it's not moving. So that means I'm creating a I'm – put, I'm putting a force on it straight up in the air, opposite of gravity, because gravity would pull it down. So I'm actually forcing it right now. Now, if I go over here – and I hold the club, I'm still forcing it up like this, 
but the club should be rotating like that because now where I'm holding it and forcing it is at a distance from the balance point. So the fact that it's not moving also means I'm putting a torque in this direction to stop it from moving because it mm -hmm. should go like that. Right. So if I hold the club like this at the top of the swing, hopefully you can see this here, I'm forcing the club straight up like this. So the, there's a component of force that's straight up in the air and it's trying to make the club go like that, jackknife, and I'm torquing in the opposite direction so that's not happening. So now when I come up to the end of my swing, the two components of force of interest are, number one, I'm curving the club around to the top and I'm forcing it up in the air like this. So as I come up by curving it and then I start my body, I just change the direction of my curve as I come down. Okay? I do have the ability to try to force it like this or like that, but that amount of force is going to be really small at that point in the swing because you're just not going to accelerate the mass center much in those directions. You're not going to see like a wild move. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's coming around to the end of the backswing, it's helpful for them to understand that they're curving the club and forcing up. So when they start down, whatever they think they're doing to make the shaft of the club look like it lays back, they should do it through curving and not trying to actually torque it like this. Interesting. So the curving force that I curve around with is about two, is about two times gravity. So it's not much. Mm -hmm. The club is just not accelerating much. It's only changing directions, very little. So if you wanted to work on so-called shallowing up at the top, the key move would be to come up, curve it, and then allow the pitch to come out. So this motion. So allow, so curve it and allow the pitch of the club mm -hmm. to come out, and then you'll have more of what you see, as opposed to trying to keep the pitch twisted like this and pulling. And so the so the so for my audience the up and down the vertical nature of is the pitch, wrist is, is pitch. pitching yeah so the the lead wrist let's call it is taking on some ulnar more ulnar right correct yeah in in transition which is pitching that club head kind of up and back behind you and you can see that you can see that move um, with with a lot of players when when you know you're looking for you can really see that I can see that move that lead wrist move and, and not getting it so set in short game too. I just did a, a piece on that where, you know, you look at these short game players and they take that left arm back to nine o'clock and that shaft, it's not, it's not a right angle. I mean, that shaft is pointing over there. That lead wrist is not taking on a ton of radial well, deviation. I mean, if you go like this, right. Um, if you went like that, if you put your hands out in front of you like this, you just did a normal like anatomical position. I did my left. I'm pretty much radially deviated already. Mm -hmm. But then if I go to add more, I'm going to be limited limited by at the top of the radius bone, what's called the radial inclination. And everybody's got a different one. So mm -hmm. you want to assess how much actual range of motion you have there because you're going to hit into compression, which is a bone. So that's it for me. But what's <laughs> interesting is if you look at my right hand, Right, I have much more. Yeah, wow. So usually the two sides of your body are not the same. So it depends on your bone structure that you're born with. Mm -hmm. So I have much more in my right, much more ability to 
set a wrist, so to speak. So my whole career as a kid, I would go back and my right wrist would take over at the top of my backswing mm. because it had more range of motion. And every golf teacher I had would say, oh, you're adding too much right wrist at the top. That, you know, and, and here we sit. Yeah. When, let me, okay, so let me, let me throw this, another concept uh, at you. You've probably, I don't know how active you are in social, but uh, there's this um, short game, you know, Victor Hovland and his changes that he's made with this movement of the head going towards the target in the backswing. Uh, Joe Mayo got him to feel more left in the backswing. And so, Mike, you know, he sets up and he might have a little weight left, but then as, as he, Victor takes it back, I mean, his head's moving you know, a good inch or two towards the target, and then he stays there and he turns and hits it where, you know, you look at a Max Homa, he might be starting left, but his head's pretty neutral. And But the whole point is is that Victor has moved the low point well forward and or more forward, and he's gotten steeper on it. And so the leading edge is more in the ground and he has to, and he has to manage that. Right. So is there a, all right, A, are you, have you, have you seen kind of a lot of that and B, just kind of your thoughts on it? Uh, a couple of things. Sure. So I, I, I haven't studied what they've done or looked at that swing. I, I get a little tied up with Patty. He keeps me busy, but uh, <laughs> so the two things that jump out for me when you say that are actually three things. Okay. The result of our last paper, which I don't think anybody understood, but it was a good paper. Uh, and it was that at the top of the swing, because of the way our arms are configured with our body, much like a figure skater, if they're trying to twist, it gives us the best opportunity to twist our body at the top of the swing. Okay. So if you were going to try to twist something, uh, like let's say you were going to try to really spin your body. You'd want to do it when your arms and club were closer to you than when they're further away. Okay. So the best players though, although they had their arms closer to them at the top, they had the furthest distance away from the middle of their chest at the top than the poorer players did. Sure. So it sounds like to me, number one, what you described there is whatever they're doing, there's more distance there. Number two is the best players, the linear momentum of the chest increases until the hit. So what that means is whatever movement you see in the chest, linearly, I'm not talking spinning, just in the way it's moving up, down, side to side, forward, backward, obviously, like you were saying, that's increasing its velocity linearly up until the hit on the best players. And the poorer players end it like, back here yeah. more, mm-hmm. right? So the, the, the better players have much more momentum of their chest. Granted, a lot of it's up and back and in different directions, but they have more. So it sounds like to me that in their case as well, there's more momentum being put into the chest. And then the last part would be the best players, when they push their body open, do it with more weight on the left side of the body than the everyday player. So it sounds like to me everything's skewing in that direction. Yeah, and he's like so like his effort was more in the short game. You know, like the, these movements were kind of more representative into the short game, which some of that may still apply. But the last part that you brought up, which is this movement of getting out of you know kind of pushing up and and getting out of the way, the downswing, right? Take 
what, what, it, when should a player, let's, let's say they've got things pretty organized going back, coming down. Like you're pretty happy with the way things look and you're, you're, you want to now give them uh, uh, some ideas and recommendations on, all right, here's how I want you to get the hell out of the way. <laughs> Right. Like I want you to use that. If you were going to use your left leg and left side of your body to get the hell out of the way, you'd want to do it at whatever point that side of the body had the most weight on it. Okay. So you'd have the most traction and friction. And so for Podrick, when would that be? So if we, if we pull him back in, like when, when is, when is that weight the heaviest into the left? Uh, We made his weight heavier into his left by moving his chest more forward. So the more forward you move the chest, the heaviest part of the body. I think his chest weighs, you know, 70 or 80 um, pounds. And we move that over his left leg so that he can increase how much pounds. In transition, yep. Yeah. It's in the, no, it's before transition. It's in the late backswing. We already started moving it. Yeah. Like that's back for him. But for outdoor, so here's something that's interesting. He's one of the only people who can turn his torso 85 degrees on one swing and then 145 on the next swing and not know the difference. Mm. He's also the only person I ever met that could make a swing indoors and then just go step outside and it completely changes being outdoors. Wow. In the case that you're watching here, if you take him up to the top, that's the most forward his torso has been in a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And we actually strive for it a little more forward than that. So does he start pushing? When does he start pushing on that ground to get out of the way? Do you think? We changed how he pushed on the ground to get out of the way. So what he was doing was he was starting down, upper body was back, he was spinning, and then he was trying to rake his back foot, his lead foot back. Mm -hmm. Go back a couple of years ago, his left leg would fly around back. Remember that. So he was actually trying to rake his left leg back. Mm. He doesn't do that anymore. So now what we what he tries to do is he actually tries to push into the leg and then waits for the reaction to get pushed back out of the way. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just it's, it's really a different. It's a totally different intent. Yep. So if I everybody always asks, so you've done all this stuff with Doctor Nesbitt and all this great research and stuff. Give us one thing that you notice that great players do every great player compared to the amateur gets further away from the ball, the entire downswing coming into the hit. So they get further away and the amateur gets closer. Mm -hmm. If you go to both of your heels, when you start your downswing, if you just pushed right from both heels, you're going to get closer to it. And if you go from the ball of your foot and push, you get further away. So people love getting closer to the ball. Yeah, right. Early extension, getting taller, right? High handle, all of those things start to Stay over the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, so to put a bow on this with Padraig, we, you, we've changed some backswing things. He's really in a very different late backswing, early transition chest, getting more on top, which as I'm hearing you now, he's got more, he's heavier now into his lead foot. And then from there, he can then just 
kind of react and and get out of the way, right? And and because he senses yeah. that he's we heavier, go, he's different. We go, he's heavier. Yeah, we go a little deeper. We actually recruited more of his adductors, mm. which are the muscles on the inside of the leg, and uh, they're your they're your most powerful muscles to move your body side to side. Mm. His were dormant, so we recruited a lot of those. A lot of what you just said stretches and can and um contracts the adductors and i think a lot of golfers do not use their adductors at all they're more working on top of their adductors this way so yeah good stuff i could ask a thousand more questions but i know we'll probably lose our audience for kind of <laughs> okay but we'll uh we'll do it again this is this is great stuff congrats by the way on all your stuff and um the papers and all that and the great content that you put out but then obviously as of late here with the great work with uh, Padraig Harrington and um, the goal i think this is another major the goal yeah. is to win another major another major there's no doubt in my mind that he can win another PJ Tour event. I, I, I believe that at the age of 52 and the way that he's moving and hitting it, his iron game is still good. You know, you go out there and have a great putting week. Who knows? I know he's in the field this week here, just up north of me at, uh, yeah. at uh, Sea Island. So, um, it's just an important conversation. I think that to keep going, this is something that I'm going to be doing more in the next year of, of amateurs moving, continuing to move properly, continuing to have the right perception of keeping things lengthened out the right way. Um, because that you could say maybe in its own way is one of the most important things for the longevity of, of them playing golf, right? Because if they, yeah, if they don't move properly and they, then they try to move and, you know, that's how we start to, to injure ourselves, and you start getting them to lengthen out the right way up and back and recruiting from the right muscles. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, okay, that. I think a lot of golfers golfers are afraid to move in different directions. Uh, Up is definitely something Mm -hmm. they think is taboo. If I had a dime every time up comes out of my word in the studio, um, I I might be retired by now, you know, with, uh, with students coming in here. They're like, I thought I was supposed to stay down. Like, no, no, I don't want you to stay down. Very. I mean, I can't even remember the last time. So to was, give you, I'll give you two stats you could use with them next time. Okay. And I think they'll like it. So when I was looking at how much force the body experiences in the upward direction, hmm. I kept seeing a number pop up and I was like, I've seen this number, like how much force it is, acceleration upward. I'm like, I, I've seen this number somewhere and I, and I kept looking and, and luckily I keep a couple of searchable documents. And I found it. And I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, and you'd be going up the steps and you're running up the steps. And sometimes you skip a step and you go up two steps. That's about the amount of force that's being put in the upward wow. direction of a, of an everyday golfer. So I use that one all the time. So it's basically uh, like skipping a step. So, and people are trying to go down steps when they're hitting a ball. Wow. So. I love it. Great bow on this uh, podcast. Michael, I can't thank you enough for uh, jumping on. Yeah, really thanks appreciate for having it. Me. It's fun yeah. to talk.